I'd like to welcome everyone to Sunday service at the Temple of Light in Ananda Village in California. My name is Nayaswami Ananta. Nayaswami Maria is here, and we're honored and joyed to participate in this service with you wherever you are in the world. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light. This week's topic is perfection is self-transcendence. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. We begin this week with a passage from the Gospel of St. Matthew. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. If ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the tax collectors the same? <clears throat> and if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even pagans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. This teaching is a continuation of last week's lesson. To love all equally is possible only by seeing God everywhere, in others as well as in oneself. See whatever comes to you unasked for as a manifestation of his will. Be grateful for the pains you experience, for they are healing strokes of his love. Sometimes healing is affected only by strong measures, but his love for you is manifested in the very attempt to heal. Strive always to be impersonal, as though whatever happens to you were happening to someone else. Persecution gives us the supreme opportunity to deny the thought, this is happening to me, and to affirm our inner freedom from the thought of ego. Don't allow the negative perceptions of others to become your own self-definition. Seek God. This is the true goal of life, though how difficult to cling to in the midst of hatred, spite, and persecution. The Bhagavad Gita tells us in the seventh chapter, out of thousands, one strives for spiritual attainment, and out of many blessed true seekers who strive assiduously to reach me, one, perhaps, perceives me as I am. O true seeker, be one among all those thousands who seek the supreme goal. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you as well and thank you for joining us this morning for the Sunday service. I'm going to read from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. 
And these are prayers and prayer demands uh, written by Paramahansa Yogananda. And this one today <clears throat> is entitled, Prayer for Expanding Love from Myself to All My Brethren. O Divine Mother, teach me to use the gift of thy love, which I feel in my heart, to love the members of my family more than myself. Bless me that I may love my neighbors more than my family. Expand my heart's feelings that I love my country more than my neighbors and my world and all my human brethren more than my country, neighbors, family, and my own self. Lastly, teach me to love thee more than anything else, for it is only thy love that enables me to love everything. Without thee, I could not love anything or anybody. Father divine, teach me to enter the portals of family love and that of the love of my friends into the mansion of wider social love. Teach me to pass from there through the doors of social love and into the wider mansion of international love. Then teach me to pass through the portals of international love into the endless territory of divine love, wherein I perceive all animate and inanimate objects as breathing and living by thy love alone. Teach me to tarry not at any alluringly beautiful gate of family, social, or international love. Teach me to pass through all portals that lead to the smaller gardens of love until passing through the last gate of human love. I enter into the endless territory of divine love where I shall find all living, semi-living, and sleeping things to be my very own. So again, welcome to all of you. Our subject this morning is uh, <clears throat> perfection, is self-transcendence. And I have a confession to make because when I was first introduced to this reference from the scripture, these words on be ye therefore perfect, I pretty much instantaneously shied away from it. <laughs> it was too big, too big from my perception and un understanding, relative understanding of myself at that time. And <clears throat> it's a, because it's a tall order. It's, a, it's, it's the big picture. Be ye therefore perfect. It's everything. 
and to my little self, my little ego, just too much, can't go there at this time. So I never really, you know, I would read it, I would even later on hear it at Sunday services, and I would just distance myself. I'm, I mean, there it is, <laughs> it's my confession. So these, this reading is so important, and, and I just say to you, don't distance yourself from it. Don't write it off because you think that somehow it doesn't include you. Yoganandaji is saying, reminding us through Jesus' words, we can, we can do this. And he's saying, be that consciousness. Be therefore perfect. Be that consciousness, be that vibration, be that reality within your soul. And when you think about it, you know, in, in terms of the world and matter, we can't make this world a perfect place. We'd like to. We'd like to see things be better than they are, much better than they are. But for every effort we make to try to establish a little piece of goodness, there is that relative dual force that tries to cast a shadow of darkness. But when we look at the soul and the nature of the soul and Jesus' words, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is something, this is very real, a, a very real something that the soul can embrace and realize. We can realize perfection on a soul level outside of the times in which we live, outside of the chaos, outside of the relative darkness, the challenges, outside of what seems to be an overwhelming karma for the world and for ourselves. Yet, on a soul level, the masters are saying, not only can we realize perfection, but this is something that we, not should, that we must strive for, to be that one out of a thousand and out of those many, those who can perceive that divine reality within us. It is our destiny, it's our spiritual heritage, it's what we've been given to strive towards in this life. And so when we see the scope, the huge scope of that admonition, if you will, it behooves us to look to the lives of the saints, to be close to them, to be close to the guru, to be near to their consciousness, which is reminding us we can do this. Use your time, use the incarnation to strive for this. And I wanted to share a little bit about the life of someone whom Yogananda, Paramahansa Yogananda, held very dear to his heart. And that was the saint called, as we know him, Saint Francis. Yogananda referred to him as his patron saint. 
you know, of like mind, of like heart. They both had to live their incarnation very much in the world and with others. And being an instrument of higher teaching, higher thought, higher being. And Francis, <clears throat> very simply, I'll just highlight a couple instances in his life when he, after much personal tribulation and purification, decided that he was going to give his life to God. God straight away spoke to him. And in this little dilapidated church where Francis found himself kneeling before the crucifix, a large uh, replica of Christ on the cross, and the walls all crumbling away. And God spoke to him and said, Francis, rebuild my church. Well, Francis, in his simplicity and in the immediacy, obvious immediacy of need, saw this crumbling church and set about to rebuild it. And in time, as his consciousness expanded, as he began to attract brothers, as he served others who shared in his love for God, he began to see a deeper teaching in this command of Christ. And he realized that it was not just the little physical church that was crumbling, but it was a whole work at its core supremely dedicated to bringing others to God, but it too was crumbling. And so then Francis set about with this reform to bring back people's love for God and make it real and make that the cornerstone yet again of this outer religion. But there was another level still which made possible these first two, and that was the rebuilding of his inner temple. And we can think of that as the transcendence of the ego. Because if this doesn't take place, if we don't transcend that little ego within each one of us, what can we possibly do in this world? What can we possibly give? How can we possibly affect a change and an upliftment of consciousness? There is a beautiful story, one of my favorites in the life of St. Francis. And he and his dear brother, Leo, the Lamb of God, named after the lion, Leo, Brother Leo. And he and Brother Leo had been preaching in the nearby town of Perugia. It's not far from Assisi, but if you're on foot, <laughs> there's some distance to be traveled. And if you're traveling in the snow, which was the case at this time, it was very difficult going. And Leo was out in front, Francis following behind. All they were dressed in was their simple robes. Normally their feet would be bare, but they 
tied sacks around them to try to get a little bit of warmth. And they put their hoods, their cowls, over their head. And Leo was, you know, meeting up against the wind, bracing against it, and breaking it a little for Francis. And they were going along in the snow, making this journey from Perugia to Assisi. And the snow became heavier and heavier and heavier, and it piled up on the ground, and it blew in their faces. They were facing into a blizzard, and it was coming down. And on and on they went. And at a certain point, Francis, you know, here they are traveling in the wilds, you know, in the land, in the forest. It's snowing. It's a blizzard. And Francis shouts out as loud as he can, Dear Brother Leo, if we are able to heal the sick, if we can mend men's souls, if we can bring them back from the dead, take note, my dear one, this is not perfect joy. And then the hush of the storm, the surrounding woods took over, and again, they just, you know, still walking along in silence together. And then Francis, after some time, again brought his energy into his voice, and he called out, Brother Leo, even if we are able to read the stars, if we are able to tell the future, if we are able to see into men's hearts, take note that perfect joy is not therein. And they go along, again, silence. And Leo is, you know, that fervor of Francis's voice and will and the truth flowing through him is starting to warm him. And he's feeling this energy and this inspiration. And they go along. And then again, at a certain point, Francis flooded with that divine inspiration. He calls out, oh, dear brother, even if we can understand the language of angels, if we can draw on the strength of men and animals and plants and imbibe those beautiful characteristics, take note that this is not perfect joy. And they continue again. And the storm is getting stronger and stronger, and it's beating against them. And they're their robes are covered in snow and weighted down by the snow on their backs and shoulders as they try and brace against the oncoming wind. And silence continues. And then Francis again, in a voice resonant, so resonant, just filling the surrounding woods and all space. He says, dear brother, if we are able through our humble efforts to convert the souls of all men to a deep love for God. Even this is not perfect joy. And they continue on, and Leo can contain himself no longer. His interest is piqued. 
because these are great things. These are great gifts that God would give, could give, perhaps had expressed through them the healing of others and so on. And Leo said, what is perfect joy, dear brother? What is it? And Francis said, if we arrive home and we knock on the door and Brother Porter comes to the door and seeing us, he says, what are you doing here, you filthy beggars? And shouts at us and calls us names and doesn't recognize who we are, even when we try to tell him, we're your brothers. You must be lying. And he slams the door in our face. And if we stand there in the cold, wet, starving, filled with hunger, and yet humility, into the night, and again gathering strength and courage, go to the door and knock. And when Brother Porter comes, this time again yelling at us, how dare you come back? How dare you disturb us, you fools? And taking a club beats us and beats us and beats us to the ground, still not recognizing us, still not letting us in. This, take note, dear brother, is perfect joy. Unless we think that our life is to be groveling in the mud, should we be able to realize God? Francis explains further to his dear brother, and he said, all of these things are the gift and the grace of God if, you know, if we are able to be his instrument for them. But this last, this conquering of the little self, which we must do of our own free, free will, we must come to of our own free will. And if we can do that, if we can do our part in conquering the little self, that is perfect joy because of the freedom therein that we experience on a very deep and profound level. There are many points we could bring to bear in terms of how to transcend the ego because it's as infinite as the things that the ego will think up to claim the world for itself. So there are many things that we could talk about this morning. But I feel to talk about kindness. Swamiji, Swami Kriyananda, he talked about the importance of kindness to transcend the little self. Not only do we have to make some progress in that transcendence to be kind, relatively speaking, but to be kind opens that door. Swamiji says that 
<clears throat> the ego is like a band strapped around the chest, tight, tighter, and more tightly. And it impairs our breathing, our very breathing. And Swamiji said, the simple act of kindness loosens that band. And to the extent that we can transcend the ego through acts of kindness, Swamiji said kindness is a path to freedom because it loosens that hold of the ego upon us. And I wanted to share a few stories about Swami Kriyananda in my own personal experience. Um, when I first came to Ananda, I was able to have a personal interview with Swamiji. And, you know, being who I was and, and what we oftentimes perceive of as a spiritual teacher, a guru, you know, we put them up on a pedestal and we want them to tell us what to do. You know, who was I? What am I going to be? What do I need to do? How do I do this? You know, sometimes we yearn to have someone fill in the blanks. And I came to him, and I did want to know, <laughs> what do I do with my life, you know, at this juncture? Do I finish school or not, was, was really the question. But Swamiji didn't talk from a philosophical point. The spiritual path was very new to me. I was just beginning to remember. I wouldn't have understood. But he just listened. He asked me about my life. He asked me about what was important to me. He let me talk. And he listened. And this is such an important act of kindness. And it's something that we can do now, that we need to do now in order to help people. We need to listen to them. We need to let them talk out their fears, their concerns, their stories. We need to listen deeply. And in so doing, we have to get out of the little self, don't we? We have to leave it behind in order to be there in patience, in compassion, and through our hearts. Many, many years later, we were in Assisi, Ananta and myself, and we were visiting Swamiji, and we were having uh, dinner with him, just the three of us. And partway through the meal, he just put away his plate and utensils, and he just looked at us straight in the eye. And he said, is there anything that I can do for you? And I know he treated everybody this way, so this isn't just our little personal story. It was how he related to people. It is how he thought about them. Again, just transcending whatever his own need was, his own circumstance or situation. How is there anything that I can do to help you? And that is something that we need to do at this time. We need to look around 
and we need to look beyond our community. We need to look to the world as that beautiful writing of masters from whispers. We need to move across those boundaries and ask that question, how can I help? Is there anything that I can do to help? I remember being in India again on a visit to see Swamiji, and there was a woman there at the same time, by coincidence, <laughs> and she had been a student of mine in our yoga teacher training program in Sacramento. She was from Thailand and happened to be in India at this time, and she had an appointment to see Swamiji. And I was asked to go along because I knew her. So my lucky day. But Swamiji, the night before, had had an accident. And he had tripped on one of the rugs in his home. And losing his balance, went headlong forward again, and landed against the sound system on this eye. And by the next morning, which is when we went to see him, there was this big red ball on the corner of the bone here, about the size of a golf ball. And I'm not exaggerating, just protruding from his head. And to look at him was to you know, be quite overwhelmed, because <clears throat> you imagined that he must be in great pain, great discomfort. And so my friend, Awe, was sitting next to me, and we were in front of Swamiji, just kneeling there on the floor. And Swamiji asked her what she wanted to talk about, what was important. And she wanted to talk about yoga and this kind of thing. But she couldn't get the words out. She was so overwhelmed by how he looked and distracted by how he looked and feeling bad for how he looked and the pain he must be feeling. And she just kept tripping over her words. And finally, she just said, you know, I, how are you? I can't, <laughs> you know. And Swamiji, he just said, now look, look. <laughs> We're all going to die someday. <laughs> We're all going to drop this body. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's just talk about why you came and what you want to know. And he just completely stepped outside of his, again, personal circumstance, his world, to reach out on that heart level to this soul. And he had to kind of shake us a little bit, you know? Now, come on, come on. We're all going to die. We're all going to go. It's going to be one thing or another. But let's just be together in kindness. Let's just be together in love. Let's be together and share. And it was just so beautiful, this simple act of kindness. And if we're looking for a way to transcend the ego that isn't out and beyond what each one of us is capable, capable of, let us just look to our neighbor, our family, our friend, our nation, our planet, to all souls, and try to feel, how, try to tune in. How can I help? How can I express kindness? Swamiji says that to express kindness is its own reward. 
because the source of so much happiness within, and that's what we feel, that happiness, that perfect joy, that path to freedom. And we're walking it and going forward on that journey through many simple acts of kindness. That's something we can understand. That's something we can all do. I wanted to close with a visualization that Swamiji has given us. And thank you. <clears throat> On kindness. And I would say this transcendence of the ego and being a channel for God in everything. So bring your attention into your heart, gazing upward from that center to the spiritual eye. And I invite you to follow along with me in this visualization, very appropriate as we are in the season of spring. Imagine a large garden in the springtime. Flowers abound everywhere. Alas, they feel the coldness of human selfishness and greed. Even though the weather has been growing warmer, the flowers keep their buds tightly closed. Now, pass mentally among them. Instead of demanding that they open their buds, so that you may enjoy their beauty. Smile at them with warm sympathy. Mentally breathe on each of them, offering them your kindness and love. Watch now. See how, wherever you pass, the petals open in gratitude for your love and goodwill. Develop an attitude of generous giving. Don't take from life selfishly. All nature now is responding to your love. Feel love for everything and feel your love expanding like a roseate cloud, blessing and bringing everything joyfully to life. You and all life are one. You and infinite life forever share together, dancing in rhythms of perpetual laughter and love. Thank you all. God bless you.
true. 